Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of The Glories of Mary. My name is Jason Brunel, and I will be your host this evening as we make our way through the marvelous treatise on true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, written by the great St. Louis-Marie Grignon de Montfort. Um, But before we launch into that, let's take some time and begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Peace, pray for us. Our Lady, Seat of Wisdom, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And tonight, we will pick up on technically we're moving into chapter 3 of True Devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary and um, chapter 3 begins uh, with the discussion of uh, of the characteristics of false devotions uh, as compared to characteristics of true devotions to Our Lady. So we're going to first go over the various, uh, well, seven, St. Louis de Montfort lists seven different specific um, types of, of false devotion to Our Lady. And the first of these is what he refers to as those devotees who are overly critical. And this is paragraph 93 in the, according to the traditional uh, um, 
numbering of the paragraphs uh, in the in the traditional uh, work. Uh, critical devotees, paragraph 93. Critical devotees are, for the most part, proud scholars, strong-minded and self-sufficient people who have, in the main, some devotion to the Blessed Virgin, but who criticize nearly all practices of devotion to her, which ordinary people perform simply and piously in honor of this good mother, simply because she practices, I'm sorry, just because such practices are not according to their own fancy. They question all miracles and stories recorded by trustworthy authors or drawn from the chronicles of religious orders, which testify to the mercies and power of the most blessed virgin. They cannot bear to see simple and humble people on their knees before an altar or statue of Our Lady, perhaps at a street corner offering prayers there to God. They even accuse them of idolatry, as if they were adoring the wood or the stone uh, out of which the statue uh, was carved or the, the, the material itself. Uh, they say that, for their part, they have no love for these exterior devotions and are not so credulous as to believe all the stories and tales told of the Blessed Virgin Mary. When you quote to them the wonderful praises offered by the Holy Fathers to Our Lady, they either reply that the Fathers were speaking as orators or were exaggerating, or they misinterpret their words. Uh, such, such false devotees and proud worldlings are much to be feared and do infinite harm to devotion to the Blessed Virgin, and under pretext of destroying its abuses, they succeed only too well in, in driving people away from it. And this is actually something that I think we see a lot of today, um, particularly amongst the, 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 those individuals who refer to the, the spirit, no, it, it, who in the, in the spirit of, in the quote-unquote spirit of Vatican II, um, uh, which is really uh, a complete misnomer because the authentic spirit of Vatican II is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is the spouse of the ever-blessed Virgin Mary. And of course, the Holy Spirit wants nothing more than to find his well-beloved spouse the Blessed Virgin Mary in a soul. The more, the more the, the Virgin Mary is is take takes up residence in a soul, the more abundantly and 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 with 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 the the Holy Spirit cannot help but to be drawn to souls that have beautiful devotion to Our Lady. And the more Our Lady favors a soul, and the more a soul is dedicated to the Blessed Virgin Mary, the more the Holy Spirit will be irresistibly drawn to that soul to cooperate with the Blessed Virgin Mary in giving birth to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ in that soul, just as the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit cooperated in giving birth to Christ in his first coming, at the first incarnation of Christ, at the moment of his conception in the, in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the moment that she gave her unconditional fiat to God, her unconditional yes, 
And we are called to emulate the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is the most perfect exemplar and model for us as Christians of what we are to do in terms of responding wholeheartedly, unreservedly to God and his invitation to grow in, in, in the to grow in holiness and sanctification, to give our unconditional fiat to God. That is precisely what our Lord asks of us. So it's a beautiful thing. It's a, but it, back to what we were talking about before, that, that, that unholy spirit of Vatican II, the, 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 the unholy spirit of, of, of um, the unholy spirit that is, that, is con- that is contrary to all things true and good and that wishes to usurp uh, the goodness and the truth that that the authentic Holy Spirit of God and of, and of the Second Vatican Council wished to um, promulgate. And if you look at any of the, if you read the 16 documents, they're absolutely beautiful. Uh, you have a collection of 16 wonderfully, wonderfully written documents which beautifully explain um, you know, you've got Lumen, the four constitutions, the Lumen Gentium, um, Gaudium et Spes, De Verbum, Sacrosanctum Concilium. And those are really powerful documents that very, and, and no, there's been no alteration in, in church doctrine in these, in these, uh, in these um, four documents. Um, there certainly is development of doctrine, um, and development of doctrine is a, a a marvelous reality that we can, and to understand the concept of the development of doctrine, we can turn to uh, the the very gifted Cardinal Newman, who wrote uh, an essay on the development of Christian doctrine. Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, who whose writings he was just a brilliant, brilliant man, and he he's written so many marvelous works. Um, uh, another one of my favorites is um, his work on the on the on the, on the meaning of, a, of the Catholic University. Of it's just a lot of really he's he's a, a brilliant mind and has made salutary contributions to the repository of um, of Christian thought and uh, specifically Catholic Christian um, thought, um, having uh, and, and and being a convert. Uh, from from the Anglican uh, faith, uh, very very fascinating man, um, and a, not, not, a very gifted writer, tremendously gifted writer, and he penned many beautiful prayers as well. Um, one of the really uh, stellar and outstanding prayers that he penned was um, uh, the. Um, it's a prayer that Mother Teresa would would um, it was in, it was um, she would she would I believe I believe the sisters did an hour of adoration every morning before they went out to carry out their duties for the day and in taking care of the poorest of the poor, but before they began their day, of course they would pray the office. Uh, 
usually the office begins with the invitatory, um, or um, actually I should say it begins with the office of readings. Um, then you have the invitatory, and then you have morning prayer, and typically uh, there's break for breakfast, and then people go, and then the community will go back and for to celebrate the holy sacrifice of the mass. And then after the mass, that's usually when uh, uh, the day begins, uh, the, the the labor for the day in a religious community. That's how most religious communities operate, um, more or less. There may be slight variations, but. Um, but they, but uh, I believe Mother Teresa used to pray, used to have her her, her sisters of charity, uh, the sisters uh, that belonged to the religious order that she founded. Um, they would, after communion, collectively pray together. The, one of the prayers com- composed by uh, Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, and it was the Shine Jesus Prayer. Um, you know what? I I don't. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's a beautiful, beautiful prayer. Um, and it's a marvelous prayer to pray after receiving Holy Communion. And I'm pretty sure that her order did that collectively, together. And she spoke about the power of that prayer. And um, I believe I do have it right here. Let's take a look. I know it's in the it's in the up updated version of the PHL prayer book. Here it is. Radiating Christ by Venerable, actually now it's Blessed, by Blessed John Henry Cardinal Newman, um, born February 21st, 1801, died August 11th, 1890. And the prayer goes as follows. Dear Jesus, help me to spread your fragrance wherever I go. Flood my soul with your spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my being so utterly that my life may only be a radiance of yours. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come into contact with might feel your divine presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only you, Jesus. Stay with me and then I will begin to shine as you shine so to shine as to be a light to all others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me thus praise you in the way in which you love best, by shining on those around me. Let me preach you without preaching, not by words, but by example, by the catching force the sympathetic influence of what I do, the evident fullness of the love my heart bears for you. Amen. And it states here that this prayer was a favorite of Blessed Mother Teresa, St. Mother Teresa's, uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, uh, who was born in 1910 and who passed in 1997. Uh, She said it made a great difference in the lives of the missionaries of charity. Um. And, and again, to, to recite that marvelous prayer after receiving our Lord in Holy Eucharist uh, is it, exceedingly powerful. It's tremendously powerful, along with the Anima Christi, uh, the soul of Christ prayer, soul of Christ, sanctify my soul, body of Christ, save me, 
blood of Christ, inebriate me, water from the side of Christ, wash me, passion of Christ, strengthen me. Oh, good Jesus, hear me within your holy wounds, hide me, permit me never to be separated from thee, from the malignant enemy, defend me, and at the hour of my death, bid me come to thee, that I might glorify thee with all the elect in heaven forever. Amen. It's just magnificent to have these this these this treasure treasure trove of prayer and and uh and there's a, a wonderful uh, there's an old maxim um uh, uh, uh the law basically it's uh, the, it's uh, lex lex orandi lex credendi uh so the law basically that translates to the law of prayer is the is the law of belief or or as we believe so too shall I'm sorry as we pray so too shall we believe so our prayers and the prayers that we pray um, give rise to our understanding of the faith and and reinforce that understanding of the faith so it's very important that we rely on on that we have really good prayers and and one way to ensure that we do have marvelous prayers is i encourage anyone listening to this who does not already know about it to to purchase a copy of a book called the recolta it's spelled r a c c o l t a the recolta the hardcover book it can be purchased uh, through Amazon.com or any bookseller, really. And um, this is an absolutely wonderful, wonderful book. It's published by Benzinger, uh, Benzinger Brothers. Um, it's, a, it's an older book, but of course, you, it's still being printed. Uh, and I believe it's, I, I believe Tan published, no, I'm sorry, Loretto Publications. They are the ones, uh, it was originally published in 1957 by the Benzinger Brothers, reprinted by Loretto Publications, P.O. Box 603, uh, Fitzwilliam, New Hampshire, 03447, phone 603-239-6671, and their website is www.loretto.com pubs p u b s dot o r g that's www.loretto l o r e t o capital p u b s dot o r g and it's actually in its second loretto printing uh which was to december of 2010 the isbn number is 1- nine three zero two seven eight dash four six dash two and it is a collection of a, it is truly a treasure trove of prayer and it also gives all of the indulgences that have been attached to these prayers uh most recently by pope uh, pius pope, pope saint pius the tenth at the turn of the century and uh, uh, very sadly a lot of this has been done away with um with the second vatican council and that's that's the that's the the really unfortunate part that there's all this wonderful this incredibly wonderfully rich heritage and it, 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 
under the 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 so-called you know so-called evil spirit of of the Second Vatican Council, which really had very little or nothing to do with the documents themselves, it was just a it was an opportunity that was seized upon by certain individuals who uh, wanted to basically use and hijack the council for their own uh, for, for their own purposes, uh, primarily, uh, or I should, should say chief of which, uh, was to introduce a very liberal element into the magisterial, uh, into the magisterium itself, uh, to, to subvert the, to subvert and essentially overthrow the Catholic Church from within. Um, and I, I believe that we are seeing the, 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 the bad and rotten fruit of that in our day and age, uh, I I believe the goal was I think there I agree with Dr. Um, Dr. Taylor Marshall, who recently recently wrote a book called Infiltration, and he talks about how um, how there there throughout all throughout history, of course, we know that so so many different factions of individuals uh, for any number of reasons, uh, uh, whatever they may have been uh, for any number of different people who attempted to uh, persecute the church or to persecute members of the church, um, to do away with Christianity, to banish, to try to overthrow Christianity, uh, whether it was communism or uh, Islam or any number of the you know the Crusades were battling with uh, Islamic forces to uh, who wanted to overthrow Christendom and basically subjugate Christian lands and and force individuals into uh, conversion to force conversions upon people to force Christians and Catholic Christians to become uh, to either convert to the Islamic faith or to be killed. To face the sword and to face a beheading, um, which is happening again in our world. We are now again facing the uh, very real prospect of, of uh, very likely, uh, it really does seem as though we're going to be facing the prospect of being forced to uh, renounce our faith. There, there are so many movements um, at hand that would like to really do away with freedom of speech. Um, it's just unbelievable. The, 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 you see these liberals who are just, you know, they are just so bent on, on they, they talk about tolerance, and yet they themselves are the most, they themselves are the most intolerant of all people. It's so ironic. It's, it's so hypocritical. They preach tolerance, and but they but they their goal is to silence anyone and everyone who disagrees with them. So it's like look in the mirror. How can you how can you possibly preach tolerance and 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 literally go out with this whole ideology of silencing anyone and everybody who disagrees with you? It's it's a complete blatant contradiction. It's total and utter hypocrisy. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, oh yeah, we we completely uh, we completely support freedom of speech. We never said that we we were against freedom of speech. 
but but there's some speech that just shouldn't be some things just should not be spoken and hate speech is one of them and anybody who speaks against this way or that way of living or this anyone who says this 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 or this you know that's all hate speech and you're going to jail well actually it's not hate speech and you're it's my right to say uh what i believe about uh about morality and about it's just amazing because for two for not just 2000 years of the judeo christian for for way through for all of recorded human history we have been living according to a morality that has it, the we've been living in the in the in the in the civilized west in the civilized west we have built up a culture based on the judeo christian ethic of the 10 commandments as the cornerstone of virtue uh the the seven uh the seven uh, cardinal uh, or the se- the seven virtues or the three the three theological uh, supernatural infused virtues and uh, and the four uh, cardinal virtues uh which are so the three theological virtues are faith hope and charity and those are theological those are supernatural those are infused those are given by god and those are not virtues that we can have or cultivate without receiving the first receiving them from god and we receive them specifically at our baptism and then we receive a, a another major um in, uh, just a great infusion of the Holy Spirit at, at the during the sacrament of confirmation, which is another sacrament uh, of of uh, it can it, it's it's a marvelous it's a a sort of it prepares the individual to live as an adult. Uh, Christian to to ratify for him or herself uh, those promises that were made by the godparents and the parents uh, at the moment of baptism when the when the the child being baptized uh, could not or did not possess the rational faculties necessary to to uh, to make an act of faith so that that act of faith was made by the godparents by the parents and uh, under the condition that uh the child would be raised in accordance with uh with the catholic faith the catholic christian faith and then confirmation is the opportunity to uh to really unleash the power of of the the holy spirit uh that was given to us in our baptism and to to ratify for ourselves that incredible um a gift of of the indwelling presence of the holy spirit in our hearts and souls um but it's uh there's just so much so much we could talk about but getting back to the book um let's quickly go over these seven different type of faults we talked about the critical de- devotees and we read what uh de Montfort had to say um so there there are people who are very critical of Marian devotion 
And we, we talked about how, you know, we, we the, the quote-unquote unholy spirit of Vatican II uh, kind of led to many um, statues being ousted, uh, churches being, uh, new churches that were being erected in the, in the 60s, uh, post-conciliar churches were, were very avant-garde in terms of, you know, very modern and modern art and architecture tends to be very, for lack of a better word, ugly. <laughs> um, it tends to be the opposite of aesthetically pleasing, and uh, it's, it's modern art. Um, you walk into a, 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 sh- a show, and a modern art show, and uh, canvases that are just painted all black with, with a, a, line, a, a line of red down the middle, and it sells for millions of dollars, you know, or a Jackson Pollock you know, who just literally dripped paint on a canvas, and it's, it's just, oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Wow. How is that brilliant? Well, well he's, he's, he's the first one to do it. He's the first one who's ever done it. No one's done it before. So, but, uh, so that's, those are, those are the critical devotees. Now let's talk about these scrupulous devotees. Uh, this is uh, paragraph 94. Scrupulous devotees are those who fear to dishonor the son by honoring the mother, to humiliate the one by exalting the other. They cannot bear that we should bestow on Our Lady the most just praises which the Holy Fathers have given to her. It annoys them to see more people kneeling before the altar of the Blessed Virgin than before the Blessed Sacrament as if one were contrary to the other or as if those who pray to Our Blessed Lady did not also pray to Jesus Christ through her. They do not want us to speak so often of her or to pray so often to her. Here are some of their usual sayings. They'll say things like, what's the good of so many rosaries, so many confraternities, and so many external devotions to the Blessed Virgin? All of this denotes much ignorance. It makes a a mockery of our religion. I'd rather hear of those who are devout to Jesus Christ or those who say, well, I just go straight to the source. I want to I want to go right to Christ, directly to Christ. Um, well, certainly no, no one's saying that you cannot go directly to Christ. But the reality, the reality, the inescapable reality is that as the mystical body of Christ, as a member of the mystical body, you cannot help but to go, when, when, whenever we communicate, with our Lord. Whenever we communicate with the Heavenly Father, with our Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit, we are necessarily offering our prayers through, with, and in the Blessed Virgin Mary, because Mary is the neck of the mystical body. All communication that takes place uh, between the head and the body must pass through the neck. Ergo, and Mary is the neck of the mystical body. She's, yes, yes, she's also a member of the body, but the, but the neck plays a unique role in that there is, that all communication both ways from, from the head to the body. So, so whenever the head is going to communicate grace to the body, 
Uh, it is done through the mediation of Mary. Mary is the mediatrix of all graces, which is to say, and this is absolutely theologically correct, every single grace, every single grace and blessing that we receive from God, merited by Christ on the cross, every single grace that we receive from God is mediated through the Blessed Virgin Mary, which makes it additionally a gift from the Blessed Virgin Mary as well. So there, there's no such thing as... We literally cannot go directly to God uh, and somehow bypass the Blessed Virgin Mary. It just doesn't have... That, that's not the way it goes. As mediatrix, Mary is the method that that Jesus Christ himself chose. He chose Mary as the means by which he would enter into the world. And Mary retains that, that role. Every gift given to us by God comes through Mary. So Mary is at the end of God's communication to humanity. And she's at the very beginning of our communication to God. So if, if we are giving something to God, if we are offering something to God, if we are giving ourselves, offering ourselves, there's only one way to do. I mean, we can, we can we, yes, we can speak to Jesus Christ, but whenever we speak to our Lord Jesus, when we, when we speak or pray to our Father in heaven, Whenever we speak to the Holy Trinity, we are necessarily doing so through, with, and in the Blessed Virgin Mary, who is at the beginning of all of our communication and interaction with the Holy Trinity. It's like, an, it's like there's one way up the Empire State Building, through the elevator. It's this super fast elevator, and it goes up a certain number of floors, and then it stops at a certain floor. You get off that one, you get onto another one, and you go up another elevator. There's only, there's only that one way. There aren't multiple ways. If you want to go up, you have to use that one elevator. If you want to come down, you have to use the one elevator. Uh, the, if, if a building has one staircase and no elevator, the only way you're going to get up and down is to use that staircase. There's no other way. And that's, the truth with Mary. Mary is mediatrix when it comes to God's action toward us, and Mary is advocate on our behalf when it comes to us uh, communicating, contacting God. It's just the truth. And moreover, it's a, it's a, very, it's a very humbling reality that we ought to be cognizant of. We're, who are we to go straight to Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, doesn't it make sense to, to approach our Lord with, through and in his mother? So these are the scrupulous devotees, and uh, they don't want to hear anything about the Blessed Virgin. They want to go straight to our Lord. Then there are the external devotees. And this is paragraph 96. External devotees are those who make their devotion to our Blessed Lady consist in exterior practices, 
those who have a taste for only the externals of devotion to Mary because they lack the interior spirit. They, these are the individuals who will pray their rosary every day, with, but they pray it with great haste, and they'll participate in Mass even every day. But, but they, they'll, they'll go to the, fast, the, the, one of the, the fastest Mass in town, uh, Father Smith over at uh, uh, St. Xavier Church, uh, you know, 15-minute Mass, and you just fly, fly through Mass and at the drive-through Mass. Um, you know, just, just to, well, well I, I went to Mass. Technically, it was a Mass. It was valid. Yes, it was. But is, is, that, is, is, that, is that the approach you want to take and have toward your relationship with God? The bare minimum? God is supposed to be the single most important thing in a person's life. God is supposed to, God is the Eucharist, which is our Lord, ought to be the center, source, and summit of our entire lives and of every day of our lives. And shouldn't we make the Mass the very centerpiece of our, of our entire existence here on earth? Isn't that what it's all about? And if we're going to do it, let's do it right. Um, we know what our Lord said about the lukewarm. We know what our Lord said about those who have one foot in and one foot out. He spits them out of his mouth. He would rather have someone just completely ignore him. At least they've made a decision. and they, At least he knows where they stand. They're not it's these these as opposed to these individuals who they you know they've got one foot in they've got one foot out they're kind of like straddling the fence you know and so well you know I I I, I technically I, I go to mass I may you know I may show up a little bit late and leave, you know I'll leave right after communion and you know, so, but so I, I did I did receive communion yeah and I I just I just had to you know I had I had an appointment I had to go somewhere no that's that's it, it, not to mention the the, the the unbelievable irreverence and and po- very possible bla- the possibly it, it's possibly blasphemous to receive our Lord and to literally book out of the church with the with the with the, with, with our Lord's sacred species still in your mouth. That just that blows my mind. Um, it's 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 very it, it's 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 really uh it's incredibly blasphemous, but I realize that the overwhelming majority of people who do those types of things truly don't understand what they're doing. They really, really don't understand. And that's why it's so important that everyone, that we all, when we see these things happening, take a step back and say, you know, let's pray for these people. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. Let's, let's emulate our Lord himself, who, when he was being crucified, prayed for the individuals who are crucifying him, praying for their forgiveness. Forgive them, Lord. They know not what they do. And that's the truth. Most people do not know what they're doing when they engage in these things, these blasphemous things, 
most people don't even realize. And you ask, it may be hard for us to comprehend that. Well, how can you, how can they not realize? Well, never forget the culture that we live in is so toxic. It's so secularized. It's so anti-Christian. It's so, so totally secular that we are looked upon as aliens. We are looked upon as uh, freaks. Uh, we, we might as well be, uh, you know, the, the old, the old, the old-time quote-unquote freak show. You know, uh, um, at the circus where poor, poor, incredibly, uh, ex- exceedingly unfortunate. Uh, individuals who who have have these who've had to carry these tremendous crosses of being born with some radical God permitted that they were born with a, a radical uh, deformity of some sort and and um, in the uh, back back in the day um, there were very there were some very very wicked wicked evil people who would try to exploit the the deformities of individuals by literally putting them on display at circuses and um and these people would get paid um but I talk about the humiliation the absolute abject humiliation the degradation um it reminds me much of it reminds me of what we see today with prostitution um and and uh Women who uh, who feel that they have no option other than to either prostitute themselves or to, you know, they oftentimes it begins with uh, dancing at those very lewd establishments um, that are that are uh, euphemistically referred to as gentlemen's clubs. How pathetic is that? How un- that 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 really just turns my stomach because these poor girls are usually very young usually very impressionable and 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 again we have the exploitation the the exploitation of a human being turning people into objects of gratification um or whether it's 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 basically the same thing that was done to these poor individuals who suffered with these tremendous deformities um, and were and, and were literally uh, paid to to um, be in the traveling quote unquote freak show as it were um, I can't even imagine uh, what that must do to a person and uh, we do know that the females that participate in these types of um in these types of things uh, oftentimes are also very 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 into heavily into drugs and but it makes perfect sense from a psychological vantage point because uh the 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 humiliation of of knowing what what you're doing and they're of course they're going to drink and 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 take drugs to basically anesthetize themselves to to just to kill the the pain of the humiliation of what they know that they're doing uh, 
God have mercy on us. God have mercy on this poor, poor, sick humanity. We're just, Lord, have mercy on us. All right. Um, going to move on to, so we've talked about the external devotee, devotees. Um, then we have the presumptuous devotees. Presumptuous devotees are sinners given up to their evil passions or lovers of the world under the fair name of Christian and devotees of our Blessed Lady conceal their pride, their avarice, their impurities, drunkenness, anger, blaspheming, slandering, injustice, etc., who sleep peacefully in their evil habits without making much, if any, effort to correct themselves under the pretext that they're devoted to the Blessed Virgin. They assure themselves that God will forgive them, that they, do not, that they will not die without confession, that they will not be damned because they say their rosary uh, in five minutes before Mass, uh, because they fast on Saturdays, because they belong to a confraternity. Um, now, granted, I, I, this is a... It, it, it's funny because if a scrupulous, there are there are people who truly do suffer with scrupulosity, and if they were to read this, chances are they would think, "Oh my goodness, that's me, that's me, I'm going to hell." Um, it's so, and this is why having a spiritual director is so, so critically important. We are all sinners, every single last one of us, and typically. The fact of the matter is it, 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 it's, it's usually the people, it's usually when people are, are actually growing in holiness that, they, that, 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 that their faults really, really, they, they begin to, people, people who are, 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 who are making, advance, who are advancing in the spiritual life, genuinely advancing, are much more likely to see their own misery and their own wretchedness because that's the truth of the human condition uh, against the reality or the backdrop of, of the reality that is God, who is all good, who is all loving, whose love is eternal and infinite and who had each and every one of us in mind from all eternity. And not only did he know every single thing about us in terms of both body and soul, uh, but also uh, he, not only did he create us and have us in mind from all eternity and choose us as opposed to an infinite number of potential other beings who would have served him better than we do, who would have loved him more than we do, who would have adored him more beautifully than we do, uh, and yet he chose us with, with all of our flaws and with all of our character defects. and He chose us. So that right there is just absolutely mind-blowing. That's the first great, unbelievable incomprehensible love that God has for us. And that 
not only did he bring us into existence, but he holds us in existence. So it's not, it's not a, a, a deistic type of thing where, well, God set the whole thing in motion and eventually we came into existence. And No, God literally holds us in existence. So if he, it, such that if God were to cease thinking about us, we would literally just disappear. We just stop existing. Our existence is literally, right at this moment, contingent upon him and his will that we exist at this moment and that we experience uh, in our minds. We, we have this, I, I think I've just spoken about this previously, how time, time itself is this, bizarre. Really, it's it's an illusion. There really is no such thing as... uh, The the only thing that there is is the present moment. That's all there ever has been. That's all there is, and that's all that ever will be is the present moment. The past is nothing but a construct of the mind. The past is a series of previous nows uh, so the only thing that really exists is the, is the present moment, the now. And we live in the present moment constantly. And what we refer to, what we have given the name, we give the name, the, pe- the past, to the mental construct of previous nows to which we may never return. And the future is simply the anticipation of future nows that are not guaranteed to us in any way, shape, or form. They may or may not occur. Now, it, uh, that's not to say that we shouldn't plan for the future. Of course we should plan. If we, there's an old saying, if we, if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. Um, so, of course, we should plan and prepare but we shouldn't, we should not live in the past or in the future. If we have one foot in the past and one foot in the future, none of us is in today. We're, we're missing out in the present moment. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. Today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. I love that. It's the present moment. Hence, the absolute importance of, of every single moment. That is why it kills me when I hear people say, I am doing this to kill time. Kill time? Kill time? Time is... The present moment is all you have. The present moment is the greatest gift that is given to any of us at any given moment, because that moment is all any of us ever really truly possesses. That's the only thing that matters is the present moment. So to go around talking about killing time is to basically take the tremendous gift of, 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 of the present moment and to throw it in God's face. But anyway... So, so this, back to the presumptuous devotees. Now, De Munford here is clearly talking about these are folks who these are folks who um, they're presuming on God's mercy, and and there there is a there's a genuine difference between 
a person who is genuinely striving for holiness, a person who is genuinely making a sincere, concerted effort to uproot sin from his or her life. Uh, and, and everybody, we are all, every, we cannot compare ourselves to any other human person. One, because we're all at different stages at any given time. And secondly, who are, to compare yourself is to make a judgment about the other person and, and, and how far advanced they are, which is basically to pass judgment. And, and we know what our Lord says about passing judgment. Uh, we, will be, we will be measured by the same measuring stick we have used to, to measure other people. Basically, if we go around judging and condemning other people, God will judge and condemn us the very same way we judged and condemned other people. Uh, whatever, is, whatever we do to others will be done to us by God. Um, just as we are called to treat other people as we would like to be treated ourselves by other people, so too the, the measuring stick we use to measure other, other, other individuals will be used by God to measure us. So if we are merciful to other people, God will show us mercy. If we are not merciful, and if we're quick to judge and quick to condemn, the Lord will be quick to judge and quick to condemn us. Our Lord stated very clearly, in no uncertain terms, that which you do to the least of my brethren, you do unto me. Whatever we do to anyone, any human being, regardless of what they may have or may not have done, regardless of sins they may have committed or sins of omission, certain things they should have done but didn't do, if it's neglect or the neglect of a parent or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. We're not the ones. We're not, we're not in a, number one, we're not in a position to judge because we, in order to judge, in order to make a judgment, you need to have all the facts. You need to look at every, every single variable to make an accurate judgment about something. And um, is it, I mean, just, just think about that. All, every, every conceivable variable. If you are, if, it's, I would say it's almost impossible for us to judge ourselves. Never mind to judge another person. I, I can, and I can speak for myself. I know that I can't count the number of times I've gone to confession and, you know, confessed a sin and have said, I don't, I don't know uh, what, you know, how, what type of sin this is, but I confess it as it, as it was in God's eyes. Um, because there were situations that, you know, looking at something and, trying to ascertain the moral nature. Uh, it's called causistry. Uh, it's a, the, 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 the application of the moral axioms of, um, the, the axioms of, 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 of Catholic moral theology to particular situations. And, um, but, and, and yes, it, it, it's, to a certain degree, there, there certainly is an... I mean, the, 
it's, it's still very important to have one, to choose one individual confessor, someone who can get to know you and get to know your strengths and your weaknesses, especially your weaknesses. Uh, and it's important to stay with that one priest with whom you can talk about these issues, the, whatever it is that you're struggling with, uh, whatever sins you may be attempting to conquer or overcome, the things that are uh, uh, the, the issues that are giving rise to sinful behavior, um, it, should that be an issue? But uh, who doesn't have? Who's not struggling against sin? That's a lifelong task. It's a lifelong task uh, to say for a person to say they don't struggle with sin is is to lie because everybody struggles with sin of some type, of some kind, to some extent, uh, regardless, regardless of how much virtue. Even the great saints. I mean, there are stories of St. Francis. St. Francis throwing himself into a pricker bush uh, because of a temptation, a, a temptation of the flesh, and he was so intent. But that's, a, that's, the, that's the beauty. He was so intent on fighting the temptation that he, that he, instead of giving in to that desire to, 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 to please, you know, to satisfy the urgings of the flesh, he threw himself into a pricker bush. I think he was, I think, I think possibly naked. And I mean, that's, that's a very painful alternative. <laughs> so that's a surefire way of putting an end to, uh, uh, that particular temptation, uh, or any temptation for that matter, uh, and to walk away with uh, wounds, uh, many, many, many wounds. Um, but it just, uh, but, so this is, I just didn't want uh, this to, to lead anyone to feel that. For, for people who suffer with scrupulosity, the danger, the danger becomes, uh, the danger is despair. And people with, people who have tremendous scrupulosity um, can fall victim to uh, very, very serious clinical depression because they feel that the goal is, is impossible to attain or that they're just so sinful that, you know, wh why, why, why try? It's, I'm, I'm never going to. We, we must be patient with ourselves. God for, if God forgives us, we must forgive ourselves. And God does forgive us. All we need, and, and so true, true, it, if we are truly sorry, it doesn't matter what sin we've committed. It doesn't matter how long we were in sin or how many sins we did commit. Or if, 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 if God has given you the grace to return to him and the desire to, to have a relationship with him, by all means, his mercy is so much larger than your worst sin or collection of sins could ever be. And speaking to his secretary of divine mercy, Sister Faustina, 
which is and and these it's, uh, her she in her diary, which is um, the beautiful therein is contained the beautiful devotion to the divine mercy of the sacred the sacred heart of Jesus, and he says many things to her in the, in that in that diary. Uh, but one of the things that he says to Saint Faustina is that the greater the sinner, the greater the right he has to my mercy. That is just so profound. What an amazing thing to say. The greater the right, technically, technically, technically theologically, no one has a right to God's mercy, but it's a hypothetical right. It's a right that, that God freely gives to us it, it, because he is, precisely because he is so merciful. God is love. We know this from, from the Gospel of John. God is love. We know this from John's writings. God in his very essence is love. Does that mean love is God? No, but God is love. And the highest manifestation of love is mercy. If we show that we are truly, heartily sorry for the sins that we've committed throughout our lives, if we experience contrition, and if, if, if for some reason you're, you don't have, you, you feel that you don't have the, the, the contrition that you, you feel you ought to have, then ask for it. Ask God for it. By all means, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. If you feel that you're not sufficiently sorry for your sins, or if you're, or if you're listening now and, you, and you're saying to yourself, but I don't feel like that's a sin, and, and, I, but, but, you know, and you're just not sure about, you're listening to what I'm saying, and you, you may be kind of trying to evaluate yourself or where, you know, what, what, you, what you're thinking about what I'm saying um, and the possibility of, a, of an, of of an all-good, all-loving, incredibly, infinitely merciful God. If you are truly sorry for your sins, God will wash you in the blood and water which gushes forth from his sacred and pierced side from which the church was born, the church which he built on the rock of St. Peter. Then we have hypocritical devotees. There are other false devotees of Our Lady, hypocritical devotees, who cover their sins and evil habits under the mantle of this faithful virgin so as to appear to their fellow men different from what they truly are. So these are people who have, they, don't even, they have no intention of even living a life of virtue. They simply try to present something to the world that they are not, and they will use uh, Marian devotion as a, as, a, as, a, as a costume, a disguise. And then finally, the seventh type of um, false devotion, self-interested devotees. This is paragraph 103. Again, there are these self-interested devotees who have recourse to Our Lady only to win some lawsuit, <laughs> to escape some danger, to be cured of some illness, or for some other similar need. 
Otherwise, they would not even think of her. Uh, all these are false devotees and are acceptable neither to God nor to his holy mother. Um, so he basically concludes this section by saying, let us beware then of joining the ranks of the critical devotees who believe nothing and criticize everything. Of the scrupulous devotees who, out of respect for our Lord, fear to be too or overly devoted to our Lee. Let us beware of joining the ranks of the external devotees who make all their devotion consist entirely in outward practices of the presumptuous devotees who, under pretext of their false devotion to the Blessed Virgin, wallow in their sins, of the inconstant devotees who, by unsteadiness, change their practice of devotions or abandon them altogether at the slightest temptation, of the hypocritical devotees who join confraternities and wear badges of Our Lady in order to appear good to others, and finally, the self-interested devotees who have recourse to Our Lady only to be delivered from some ill of the body or to obtain some temporal good. So we're going to end on that uh, note this evening. Um, and next week we will be talking about what the true, true devotion to our, our Blessed Lady, or, or I should say, in what true devotion to Our Lady consists. And we will talk about the, the characteristics of true devotion, beginning with paragraph 105. And so that brings us to the end of tonight's show. I thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. Um, I pray that the Lord might fill your mind with his gifts of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And he might fill your heart with love, Fill your mind with faith. Fill your heart with hope. And fill your soul with himself. May Our Lady keep you under the safe refuge, or keep you in the safe refuge of her most immaculate heart and always be at your side, clothing you with her most immaculate mantle. Mary, love you. May the Lord bless us, protect us from all evil, and bring us to life everlasting. God bless and good night. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.